in week three of our Pure in Heart series, right? We've heard from Jalen, we've heard from Chris, we've talked about dating and relationships and all of these things. And tonight, I'm going to talk about a touchy topic. So some of you might get frustrated as soon as I say what it is, and that's okay. Just bear with me, okay? Tonight, I heard some of you already whispering it, we're talking about singleness, okay? So this is, <laughs> there we go. All right, okay, okay. You guys like this. Nice. Okay. I am pleasantly surprised by that. So honestly, I drove myself a little bit crazy trying to figure out how to talk to you guys about this because I remember being in your seats. I remember sitting there and listening to somebody who was dating or engaged or married try to tell me over and over again, singleness is a gift. And I didn't want to hear it anymore. I didn't want to hear it. I just wanted to not be single anymore, right? So I remember being in your seats. So what I'm not going to do tonight, what I'm not going to do tonight is I'm not going to stand up here and scold you about what you should do with your single. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that you're not taking advantage of your singleness enough without having been there myself. Okay, I have been in your seat, I promise you. So as we start this, just know that I am with you, I am for you, I am here after. If you want to talk, you guys know where I am, okay? So tonight, we are going to talk about Ruth. If you guys know who Ruth is, if you don't know who Ruth is, if you're single, if you're dating, I think that there's something that we can all learn from Ruth tonight. So a little bit before we dive into the story, we're going to start in chapter 1 at verse 8. And just a little background info for you to know before we dive completely in. At this point in the story, there's this woman named Naomi. And Naomi has a husband, and they have two sons together. And so it's said that there was a famine in the land, so they leave Bethlehem. And her two sons end up getting married to these two girls, Ruth and Orpah. Okay? So... Unfortunately, then, Naomi's husband dies, and both of the sons die. So where we're picking up, Naomi has lost her husband. She's lost both of her sons. Both of the girls have lost their husbands, and Naomi decides, I have to go back to Bethlehem. And so that's where we're going to jump in. It's Ruth 1, verse 8, okay? But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way. For I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband, this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. 
For where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So let's break this big chunk of text down a little bit, right? So Naomi has lost her sons, her husband, both girls lose both of their husbands. Naomi's like, guys, go home. Go back to familiar places and faces. Maybe you could remarry. Go home. And Orpah goes, but Ruth absolutely refuses to go. So let's take a closer look at Ruth. Ruth is suddenly single, right? She's suddenly single. This is worse than just not finding a relationship. Her husband died. Ruth is suddenly single, and it's written here, she could have gone home. She could have probably remarried. She could have abandoned Naomi. She could have left her. She could have sat around grieving, crying, complaining, right? That seems fair. But what did she do? She made good use of her singleness. And how did she do that? Well, they go to Bethlehem, and it says in Ruth 2, 3, that Ruth set out and went and gleaned in the fields after the reapers. So, Ruth gleaned the field. Now, a lot of you are probably thinking, okay, cool, I have no idea what that means. And that's totally fine because I didn't know what that meant a month ago. But basically, the definition of glean is, gleaning is the act of collecting leftover crops from farmers' fields after they have been commercially harvested or on fields where it is not economically profitable to harvest. So gleaning the field means to pick over a field after the harvest. After the best of the crop has been harvested by workers, you can go through and you can get the leftovers. You can get the scraps, okay? So I feel like in modern speak, this is kind of like dumpster diving. None of you have been to college yet, so this might sound like a little bit weird to you, but little pro tip, Krispy Kreme, at the end of every night, they throw out all of the donuts that they didn't sell that day. And I'm not gonna tell you whether or not I did this when I was in college, but when you don't have money, you make the best with what's put in front of you. And if you have to dive in a dumpster to get some donuts, maybe you'll do it, right? So a lot of you are like, what are you talking about? What does this have to do with singleness? Maybe, maybe you feel like the harvest has come and gone over and over and over again for other people. Maybe the people around you have been dating and breaking up and dating some more, and you're sitting there like, what? Where is my harvest? Where's my relationship? Maybe you've recently gone through a breakup that you didn't want to go through, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, my harvest is gone. Why? Why, God, why am I single? I think a lot of us have asked that question before. Why am I still single? And I think that it's because God wants you to glean the field. I think he wants you to glean the field that's been assigned to you in this season. Don't miss this, okay? The harvest had come and gone, and Ruth set out to pick over the fields anyway. She set out to make the most of what was in front of her. And yes, I'm talking about in the field, but I'm also talking about in Ruth's life. Think about it. She was married. She probably did not want to be single again. Her husband died. She probably thought, well, 
My harvest has come and gone. My husband died, and I'm going to sacrificially devote the rest of my life to my mother-in-law. It probably seemed like her harvest had come and gone, but even though what was thought to be the best of the crop was harvested, she committed to working well with what was placed in front of her. I want you guys to ask yourself what that might be in your life tonight. Is it working on your friendships? Is it building better relationships with your siblings or with your mom and your dad? Is it working on your grades? Is it working on things that you just like doing, things you enjoy? Is it figuring out what your calling is? What is the field that is placed in front of you right now that you could pick over a little bit? Whatever it looks like, I promise you there's something. There is something that you can do right here, right now in your singleness. Look at that definition again. Gleaning, collecting crops on a field where it is not economically profitable to harvest. In normal person talk, that means it's not worth much. Maybe you feel like this season of your life is not worth much. Maybe you feel like working the field in front of you is a complete waste of your time. There's nothing there, but I have good news for you tonight, and that is that the God that we know and love specializes in making something out of nothing, right? In Matthew 14, we see Jesus fed thousands of people with five loaves of bread and two fish. Two fish, okay? When you're looking at thousands of people and you have five loaves and two fish, I'm willing to bet it looks like nothing. But guess what? He doesn't see things the way that we do, right? He doesn't see things the way that we do. He doesn't see your field the way that you see your field. He doesn't see your singleness the way that you see your singleness. Go read Genesis. Genesis 1 says the earth was without form and void. And then what did God do? He stepped in and he created something, a whole lot of something. Look around you out of absolutely nothing. How did he do it? He worked with the nothing that was in front of him. How did Jesus feed thousands of people with that? He worked with what was in front of him. Imagine if he can do that with the universe and with thousands of people. What might he be able to do with you if you would partner with him? Glean the fields in front of you. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And his plans are better than your plans. I promise you that. So we're going to jump back into the text. As Ruth gleaned the field in front of her, you know what happened? We're going to start in 2-4, okay? And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, 
Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. How you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel who, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Now, before we jump into this part, let me clarify something really quickly. I am not saying that by gleaning the field in front of you, he is going to give you your Boaz. That is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that if you glean the field assigned to you in this season, if you make use of your singleness, your Boaz is just going to magically appear in front of you. Yes, Ruth encountered a man while she was gleaning the field, and you will encounter a man while you are gleaning the field as well, but his name isn't Boaz, and it's not Jimmy, and it's not Jake. It's Jesus. Jesus who protects you and favors you and loves you unconditionally just as Boaz did for Ruth, okay? So we're going to pick up in 2.14. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also, pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. Do you see what just happened in this whole narrative? He said, I see her. I see her working hard. I see her faithfulness. I see what she's done for her mother-in-law. I see her faithfully finding scraps in hopes that it'll be enough. Leave her extra. In fact, take some out of our bundles and leave it there for her. Leave it in the field for her to glean. I don't want her to have scraps. I want her to have more. Who does this sound like? In John 10, 10, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. After this happens, Ruth, she goes to Naomi with everything, with all that she was able to glean and her leftovers from her meal. And Naomi is like, Ruth, where did you glean today? And Ruth goes on to tell her that it was the field of Boaz. And Naomi says, that man is a close relative of ours. He is one of our redeemers. One of our redeemers. In case you guys haven't picked up on this yet, I don't want you to look at Boaz as some guy. I want you to look at this biblical story as a metaphor for our own lives. Ruth as representative of us and Boaz as representative of God. And let me say this, relationships are not bad. They're not bad, but some of you are so discontent in your singleness that you don't even care if it's from God or not. You just want the relationship. So let me ask you this, do you want a short-term, quick, temporary, not-from-God relationship, or do you want a redeemer? Because let me tell you, a quick, short-term relationship, now that's easy, that's easy to find. All the phones are going off, I hear it, something's happening. Stay with me, hey guys, let's keep up here, okay? A quick, easy relationship, you can get it. 
but you're going to get a whole lot of heartbreak with it, right? So you can get the relationship or you can get the God who redeems the brokenhearted, okay? See, Ruth was able to utilize her singleness the way that she did and act on her season the way that she did because she understood something that a lot of us don't understand, that I didn't understand when I was a teenager. And if you guys walk out of here with anything tonight, I want it to be this, okay? God did not promise you a future and a relationship. He promised you a hope and a future. God promised you a hope and a future, not a future and a spouse. God promised you a hope and a future, not a future and a boyfriend, not a future and a girlfriend, not a future and a husband, not a future and a wife. Go to the Bible. Where does it say that he promised you a relationship? It doesn't, but he does say, I promise you a hope and a future. It does say that. Hear me on this, guys. A lot of you are holding God's feet to the fire of a promise that he never made you, and you're wasting precious time. A lot of you think that if you're good, if you're good in your singleness, God's going to give you a relationship. He's going to reward you with a relationship. And that's just not the case. Why? Because he is the reward. His presence is the promise. He doesn't need to give you another thing. You already have everything that you need in him. But you need to ask yourself that question seriously tonight. Seriously. Just refocus and ask yourself this. What do you want more? The promise that you think he made you or the promise keeper? The gift or the giver? the provision, or the provider. He is everything that you need, and you're settling for the gift when you can have the giver. You can have the giver. But he's not concerned with you getting married first and foremost. No, no, he's concerned with you furthering his kingdom. He is concerned with relationship with you. That is his ultimate concern, and I don't want to breeze over this point because I missed this as a teen. And I was talking with Chris DeFoya yesterday, and he missed this as a teen. And I just, guys, I used to, we both, we were talking about how we used to go to these worship nights. And we would go to these conferences and these youth camps in hopes that we would meet our future spouse. So what happened? We missed out on meeting with the God of the universe. Listen, guys, the worship culture here. It has shifted in the past however many months. It has shifted, right? You guys are up here. You are pouring your hearts out in genuine worship. So many of you are, and I love it. I love it so much. But some of you, some of you are like me when I was a teenager. See, when I was a teenager, I went through seasons where I'd come up to the front, and I'd lift my hands real high in hopes that I would get the attention of somebody else in hopes that I would get attention. Some of you are raising your hands in worship in hopes that you get attention from somebody rather than showing Christ a little affection, affection for what he already did. Guys, Jesus dying on that cross for you is the biggest, grandest, greatest romantic gesture in the history of time. And you're showing up trying to get a person from him? He already gave you a person. He gave you himself. 
He gave you himself, and I know. I know that marriage is a desire of so many of our hearts in the best of ways sometimes. But I want to urge you all today because some of you, some of you have made an idol out of it, and you need to lay it down. Some of you have made an idol out of relationships. You think about your potential relationship more than you think about anything else if you're honest with yourself right now, right? If you're honest with yourself right now, you think about that boyfriend or that girlfriend or husband or wife or whatever that you want so badly more than you think about everything else. In fact, it even fuels some of the things you do, some of the activities you're in in school. You think about this relationship more than anything else, and it's an idol. It's an idol that you need to lay down. And there is so much grace when you choose to, guys. There's so much grace. And if you're a girl in this room, truth be told, you've probably already built a Pinterest perfect wedding altar in your mind. So show up to it. Yeah, I know. I know. I was there too. Show up to it and lay the idol down. Lay it down. Give your dreams, give the call of God on your life other than marriage a little room to actually live again. Trust that. Trust that he already knows. He already knows the desires of your heart, right? Trust him. Trust that he knows and lay down the idolatry. Lay it down tonight. As I close, I want to go back into the story for a minute. You see, Boaz and Ruth, they aren't the only metaphorical parts of this, okay? Back at the very beginning of the story, after her sister-in-law has gone back to her home country, probably to find a new husband there, Naomi urges Ruth to leave again. And the verse says, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth goes on to say, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Ruth's relationship with Naomi, with her mother-in-law, that should be a mirror for our relationship with Christ. And it should be a mirror that we are checking ourselves in daily. Her love for her mother-in-law is the love that we are to have for God. That kind of loyalty, that kind of commitment, sacrifice, surrender, hard work. Ruth wasn't doing anything at this point in her life for herself. If she were, she would have gone home. Right? She would have gone back to her family. She probably would have found somebody else to marry. But instead, she practiced obedience and loyalty, and she surrendered her life for the sake of her mother-in-laws. As you practice obedience and loyalty to him, and as you surrender your life for the sake of his kingdom, just like Ruth surrendered her life for the sake of her mother-in-laws, just like Jesus surrendered his life, for the sake of you, he will meet you there. I promise. He will meet you there and he will satisfy every longing that you're wrestling with in your heart right now. He really is that good. He really is. He really is who we all say he is. He really is who he says he is. He really is that good. I promise you, he will meet you in this season of your life. He's everything that you need.
And my favorite verse in this whole thing is simple. But Ruth clung to her. Even if you're not single, I want you to think about this for a minute. Who are you clinging to? What are you clinging to? Is it the person sitting right next to you? Is it the person you wish were sitting right next to you? Is it the person at school? Is it a thing? Is there something that you're clinging to? Because listen, your heart was made and specifically designed to cling to Jesus. In life, in love, in death, in loss, in singleness, engagement, dating, marriage, I promise you one thing. Standing here, knowing that all of my friends, my people, they're in the season where people are dating, engaged, and married, you know. We just are. Guess who they know they need to cling to? Jesus. It will not change. It won't change. You were made to cling to Jesus. Pray with me. God, we thank you so, so, so much just for your presence in this place tonight. We thank you for your faithfulness in every season, God. We thank you that you are God over every season of our lives. And Jesus, I just ask that, that every person in this room, God, that they would just walk out of here if they're dating somebody, if they're single, they're engaged, married, whatever it is, God, I ask that they would walk out of here with a new understanding of who their heart was made for. From the beginning of time, who their heart was made for. Who is going to pursue them more and better and bigger than anybody else, God. I pray that you would just break down walls tonight that you would just bless our conversations in our small group time, that you would allow space for anyone who just needs to get something 